2: But if we ever want to get results outside of what we got conditioned for, we have to someone who was raised poor, decides they're going to be a millionaire. They're going to hit some stuff. Every little bit, every little ego pattern has been designed to basically stop me. I have no clue what I'm supposed to do with my life. The journey of integrating dark and light has been probably the thing that has matured me as a spiritual being. This is not me claiming some enlightened status but just <laughs> on my own journey it's helped me grow up as a human being probably more than anything else everything it's done every pattern the behavior it's learned it's put there for a reason and if I can meet those patterns with that level of awareness and compassion they become a lot easier oh,
3: welcome to the inspired evolution I'm your humble host, Amrish Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired. Keep evolving. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. It is a light treat, a dark treat, some sort of treat to be here today. We've got with us (laughs) Dane Thomas, affectionately known as DT. DT, welcome to the podcast, brother. Thank you so much for doing this with us.
2: Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Stoked to be here.
3: Oh man, it is such a pleasure. And I have to say, somewhat refreshing to have a fellow Kiwi slash Aussie. So like mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the, the the linguistics are just going to be super streamlined in terms of sometimes it's American, sometimes we're talking to people in Europe, but this is really, uh, really comfy to speak to a fellow Aussie. So thanks for being here, bro. For those tuning in today for the first time, let me give me two secs. Let me just quickly do the honours. Um, he's been helping spiritual business owners level up their magic, and magic is spelt with a K. And we're going to find out more about that in just a moment. Their money, their mastery. He recently started the podcast called the Esoteric Entrepreneur Podcast, which is, I was saying this to Dane before, it's really beautiful the intimacy that is afforded to us into Dane's life through that podcast. But, you know, that was a recent offering for almost a decade now. He's been developing short courses and containers for those that are, are well versed with Dane. You'll know his containers and, uh, They've been raved about um, for just the potency that they hold. Uh, He's been running retreats and more, basically helping people tap into their inner power. So, Dane, it's a real treat for us to have you here. I wanted to tune in and check in. What is an esoteric entrepreneur in your own words?
2: Mm, It's a great question. The way I frame it and how I got to that languaging, it's it's, it's almost a category I started for myself, you know? Mm. And it's really someone who is simultaneously walking a business path and a spiritual path at the same time Mm. and that's something that when I first started was not really very common like what I, I it was I had a lot of entrepreneurial influences and I had a lot of spiritual influences and they didn't really cross over very well and so the esoteric entrepreneur model is really not just about spiritual connection and business although they're the two pillars it's about really actively learning to use those together so the business journey becomes a journey of spiritual awakening and the spiritual and we'll get to the magic piece I'm sure at some point the spiritual and magical journey becomes a way to fast track and accelerate what you're achieving in in business and in the results world so it's really about bringing these two worlds together into one cohesive thing which for a lot of people is like very split to begin with
3: yeah, let's talk about that split for just a sec because I think for those tuning in, you're gonna we're gonna start poking and prodding on taboos <laughs> quite a bit in this episode. <laughs> if you this is a there should definitely be an asterisk or a or a or a disclaimer or a forewarning on that. So consider this you've you've been warned.
2: You've um, been warned. Yeah,
3: <laughs> even um even just that you wrote the book, the conscious hustle. Um, but even like now, I think there's more of an awareness around people yeah, spiritual entrepreneurship becoming a bit more of a thing. But even nowadays I find some people are, are adverse to the conversation that where I make like even just that the money piece doesn't feel spiritual for people, you know. So when you start talking about business, you know, business is money dressed up in a whole vehicle, right, in in, in one way of yeah. looking at it. And then you've got your spirituality. And for a lot of people, those two things belong in very separate camps the union of the two and, you know, the, as my business will grow, my spirituality will grow, my spirituality will grow, my business will grow. can feel quite icky for some people. Can you speak to the ick in that?
2: Yeah. So my background, background, like long, long time ago, my, Mm. I did a degree in comparative religion, which was Mm. very accidental that I got into it, but it turned out to be perfect. But that gave me a, a really cool snapshot of the, the threads of multiple religious lineages, you know? So I started off with a lot of Eastern philosophy and then we went through pretty much everything, you know? And mm-hmm. so what it led me to is an understanding that what I was drawn to are a more teaching that I would call non-dual. So things mm-hmm. like Tantra, elements of Buddhism, uh, the Western esoteric tradition, but also contemporary people like Carl Jung, modern day people like John Martini, I was always very drawn to, who I know you've had on this show. And what I saw of all these people that I was interested in was that they had a more of a holistic worldview where there was the light and dark aspects were all addressed together. Mm. They were exceptional because most religion, most which is more and most spirituality, in, in air quotes, comes from, is what I would call ascension-based sort of spirituality. The idea mm. is, you know, Earth is a pretty terrible place. And if you're good here, you'll eventually die and you'll go to a better place. That, that Mm. sort of thing that is sort of trained into us from an early age. And it goes back for many, many, many generations. The essential core of what they're telling us is that spirit and matter are separate, you know, Mm. money's dirty. uh, Sex is dirty. Those Mm. are not spiritual things. Spiritual things are praying and, being good and going to heaven or whatever um i always had a sort of problem with that and the previous business i had the spiral which was the healing modality i created Mm -hmm. um, was a lot about clearing conditioning and emotional baggage and people might hear this phrase shadow work at some point on their journey Mm -hmm. the more i went into that kind of stuff the more i spent time cleaning up baggage and conditioning the more it became clear like oh spirit is in everything
1: Mm. um
2: every you know it's this old this idea of like you know I just do my normal life and then I go to church on Sunday and on Sunday I'm a spiritual being but every other day of the week I like you know I'm at my kids and (laughs) yeah I'm grubby and I'm just down there in the dirt just doing the the filthy (laughs) business of survival and it's like that's not a very loving frame for what a human being is and for what, you know, especially we get into what a soul is and all that. And so, yeah, most of us have this training that money is dirty and other things are dirty, but I, the the truth that I sort of stand for is that's not really the truth. Mm. That is a, an illusion that's been trained into us through various different religious or spiritual paths. And, when we start to go down these paths, like, oh, I'm a Reiki healer, but I want to have a good business, something like that. Mm. It can be very difficult because this conditioning is so thick in the world, but as the person starts to work through it, which is what I've done with thousands of people, they start to move really differently and they start to see a congruence between those two areas. So it is possible and it is there, but it's just not how we're typically trained to begin with.
1: Mm.
3: And you talk about training there. Let's have a quick conversation about that. Do you and this is probably just my own projections coming into it a little bit more than they should, but do you feel like the collective programming is what sort of holds a lot of that in our way? Um, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. In, is in that- yeah I, I think it's that same. I think, yes, the collective programming of which there's many different threads. So, you know, as mm. you'll know from speaking with so many different kinds of people and working with different different people have different programming, which hence, they've been able to get different results. Mm. But if we ever want to get results outside of what we got conditioned for, we have to do some some work. You know, the moment someone who was raised poor decides they're going to be a millionaire, they're going to hit some stuff, you know, or well, the, mm. the moment, and I have a lot of these in my world, the moment someone from a religious background decides they're going to work in sexuality or something like that, it's like, okay, there's some clashes inside mm. me right now of what I what I can and can't do. And I think mm. we all have to, unpack a lot of the stuff we got given when we you know from cultural beginnings
3: and is that why the magician archetype is so present for you because I know for myself like the archetype of the warrior and the sage sort of they're sort of these sort of I was like baubles of light but they sort of, they sort of attract me um quite a mm. bit tuning into your work this this word magic keeps coming up again and again and dark wizard is something that you know is a you, you've got a brand identity around that but when i start feeling into magician and even like you said there's so many threads to the collective programming is that is that some element of what the magician holds for you being able to sort of work with that type of shit? um yeah what's yeah
2: what's, I think for me, the magician, you know, we go back to the classic, um, the masculine archetypes, king, warrior, magician, lover. Some people might've heard of that book or come to, you know, that little collection Mm. for me in in that sort of package, the magician is the one that can sort of see the unseen and can, you know, whereas the king or the warrior, they're very much in matter, you know, they're Mm. in the 3d world and we need those to get stuff Mm. done in the 3d world. I sort of see the magician as having a foot in each world. So Mm. it's able to draw from the kind of cosmic universal reality that then gives that archetype an ability to do things in the, you know, we do the classic movie style magician or wizard Gandalf shows up at the right moment and it changes (laughs) the course of the whole, he doesn't do a lot of work, right? He just appears at certain moments and provides certain things or Mm. scares off some orcs or whatever, Mm. but that changes the whole course of the next hundred years because Yeah. yeah. And it's, so, what has this person got? They've got a they've got a bigger picture knowledge for one. They're thinking very, you know, Gandalf is working in the thousand year plan. He's mm-hmm. it's like, okay, before this dark force, we've got to do this this. Mm-hmm. But they're also working with things that other people can't see. Mm-hmm. And to bring that back to more our world, I see that as things like conditioning, patterns, social dynamics, that there are a lot of things I've been interested in for for twenty years. And I think, being able to quote unquote see those things has helped me change my own and other people's behaviors, create transformation, align things in a certain way that can seem impossible before you before you delve into you know what what codes and what principles are operating. But once you can see those principles, and this will be true in any discipline, right? Like whether it be business or whether you're a dentist, you know, like Mm. if you're in your first year you might have a level, but if you've been doing it for 20 years, it's like I can see the matrix. I know mm-hmm. everything there is about teeth, you know, and mm-hmm. I understand the principles behind this. So that's how I see the magician is, is the one who can work with the unseen and the underlying principle to to create huge impact without a lot of effort.
3: What point were you at in your own journey where this first started to like, you know, this this realisation that actually was it, apparent that this magician archetype was present for you or was it more something to do with oh as I create inner shifts outer shifts start to happen like what was going on for you Mm. at that particular point that the yeah like was that 20 years ago was that when would did this really start to do you remember that moment
2: I I feel like I've had a dance with this this archetype this energy since I was a little kid but then Mm. it would come in and out so as a little kid you know we're pretty we just we're just imaginative and we're, you know, and then by the time I'm a teenager, that's kind of somewhat closed down that like you're just trying to be cool and fit in or whatever teen, you know, whatever a thirteen year old is trying to do, I was trying to do. Um but I was always interested in certain books, certain disciplines, certain, you know, that I would be doing hip hop stuff or teenage, 20 year old stuff, but I would also be reading like creative visualization or something like that, you know? Mm. And I feel like actually You know, I found my way into personal development in my like personal development deeply in my mid, I would say mid twenties, and just kind of went really all in with that, and that sort of gave me a container that was almost like the socially acceptable form of like you know in my thirties coming into being a coach and a whatever you know healer, mentor kind of person that felt like a socially acceptable. I'm a business coach. It's a bit more Mm -hmm. normal than like i'm a wizard you know (laughs) um but after like a decade plus of that kind of stuff it it, i just got more and more comfortable to you know to express and to play with imagery appearance branding but also you know i went from kind of tony robbinsy stuff to like ah i'm reading hermetic texts and ritual magic stuff and I'm like it's the same fucking thing here but Mm. this stuff was there before and it's a bit deeper and so it's almost like the archetype's always been there but as I've cleaned up my own stuff and I've got more more courage slash less fear I've been more confident to bring that to the front and just sort of sit in that you know because to some people it's it's crazy like some people go on my Instagram and you know, they're praying to Jesus. They're like, Oh, okay, this is too much, you know? Mm-hmm. And for other people, it's like, Oh my God, I'm, I feel so I'm allowed to be this. You know, I have a lot of people mm-hmm. around me that are emerging witches and wizards. So that's been the journey. It's always been there, but it's like bringing it to the front.
3: Yeah. It's um, it's interesting that we're at this juncture in the conversation, because I have to admit when I start looking through your, Branding and marketing, like the colors of the inspired evolution, are like pastel rainbow, <laughs> you know? and it's like, and it's like all the different colors of the light, and uh, start tuning into Dane Thomas, esoteric entrepreneur, EE podcast, and it's like it's you see, it's it seems dark, it, it and I know people throw this label at you, but I didn't really see that but you know there's mm. the word satanic is used um mm. which again is a whole projection that you know anyway we could probably discuss it if you want to but i was i was looking <laughs> into it and then i was like wow like you know and then but so there's that whole layer that you know you sort of see in terms of oh dark wizard and it's like what is this dark wizard and like is it really like i don't want to say it is it is a bit jarring i'll put it that way for someone like such as myself which is like okay cool let's just and i'll be my first to put my hand up to go oh yeah 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 that's the ascension programming right there (laughs) like that's the ascension programming right there and again sort of demonizing the sort of nether regions like the whole sort of like the earth-based wisdom that is here available to us but all and then the minute i started listening to you talk though it's like oh what <laughs> like it's got nothing to do with like dark manipulative shadowy like it's just like hey like you've got a bunch of stuff you can work with it move through it and it has left me potentially the word all comes to mind in terms of oh wow like you're really ready to wear the garb of all the muck and ick if required just to sort of call through more light like that's pretty interesting the space you're holding mm-hmm. there bro can you elaborate a
2: little mm. bit on that? Yeah, I'd love to. And it's thanks for asking this question and going going here because it's it's a big piece, you know. I <clears throat> yeah, I did the ascension path for a while, you you know, and and there's no they're all part of it, you know. So that was very much in my teens, meditation, vipassana, you know, a little bit of psychedelics, very, very Buddhist and new age kind of frames, law of attraction. That that was my kind of package of spirituality for a long time. A little bit of shamanism, but shamanism light. And um, that was great. And it really was me expanding consciousness. You know, I spent a lot of time consciousness, consciousness, consciousness. That's what spirituality is. Um, but I didn't, I got more knowing, but I didn't get more empowered I wasn't able to do a lot of things you know I still had a lot of fears and restrictions and things that I couldn't you know I was very wanting to perform in my 20s and be a musician and stuff and I would have this push pull between I can't get on stage who am I? I'm not worthy I'm you know I'm mm. or I get up there and I'd be insecure and I started doing emotional work so we're now it's now less about consciousness and more about the relationship between consciousness and feeling so emotional clearing that stuff that I created That really helped me be more expressed in the world. Then the next place, and I started to make a bit more money too, because I could, you know, put myself out there, less fear, yada, yada, yada. Mm. Um, The next stage that I hit up against was like, I think I've got stuff around sex. You know, I think I've got a few little restrictions and kinks. I don't think I'm fully expressed in that area. And Mm. it wasn't a perfect, clear realization, but I just started picking up on, huh, I don't think I'm. That clear. I have a reference of what clear is, and that that didn't feel that clear, that easeful. Mm. Um, I started doing tantra workshops and so on. That which things that I would again consider very light chakras, energy, eye gazing, Shakti Shiva, really cool new age neo tantra stuff was my gateway in. Mm. And then I started going a bit deeper into sexuality work and embodiment work, nervous system mm. stuff, the movement stuff but also rooms and containers where we're actively working with sexuality so it's not just clothes on staring at each other it's okay we're going to do this process or that process and that might involve more physically intimate practices that scared the shit out of me when I first went in there and it was like okay for someone who's cleared up his emotional blocks I sure do have some stuff going on when I'm in a room of people who start taking their clothes off or what, what's going on because I can see this is consensual, this is positive, I know this is a good thing but I feel very unsettled and so I started to follow that thread and start to do work with that and I think that also combined with getting interested, more interested in ritual and various other sorts of practices became a, basically the overarching frame is a very Jungian and Dr. John DiMartini, those kind of people, that it's all it's all one there's the light and yeah. the dark, they inter, intertangle with each other. Yeah. And that it's essentially all love playing out through a tapestry of light and shadow. And I knew that if I wanted to grow more, I had to start embracing and integrating parts of me that were in the shadow. And so there's been, it's been a good 10 plus years of, of working on those things. And that, that has helped me heal and grow and expand as a person. But then what it also starts to do is this whole thing with branding and imagery, it's 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 a play. I'm not so worried if someone thinks I'm a Satanist or whatever, like it's it's kind of hilarious to me. Like I don't, I'm like, I mean, I would have to be a Christian to believe in that, to believe in that. To do, it's, it's very, it's just not even in my frame, you know? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I see that you're still in that, you have a medieval level of development when it comes to religion and you're still doing the good, bad, whatever thing. I didn't even have that. But there certainly has been a dance. I have one mentor who cutely gave me the nickname Dark Wizard. It was like a little playful, you know, and it kind of stuck. Mm. And there's been a lot of power for me in being able to hold that position, hold that image. And people that have already begun to do shadow work and whatnot are very drawn to that because they can see, I'm not, I'm not holding that duality that we've been talking about. Whereas 99%, particularly in the spiritual world, you know, like I love there's a lot of awesome people that I listen to their podcasts or whatever, but when I was in the States, I was like, Oh my God, it's just all fucking love and like cow. Everyone wears white clothes. Like this is just, it's fine, but it's, it's very, it's, it's the first stage. You know, I feel like Mm -hmm. the first stage is yes. I'm a pure, perfect, beautiful being. And then the next stage is, integrating your hidden stuff and then the next stage after that is just aligning to purpose Mm
1: -hmm. and that's
2: where I mostly want to play but the the dark light thing has definitely been a the the journey of integrating dark and light has been probably the thing that has matured me as a spiritual being you know and this is not me claiming some enlightened status but just on my own journey (laughs) has has grown me up exactly like it's, it's more like it's helped me grow up as a human being probably more than anything else.
1: Yeah.
3: I, um, it's really interesting. Um, the kind of the, yeah, just, uh, just being on the receiving end of what you're sharing because of where I'm at in my journey too. I, um, for a while there, there's a song that I've been listening to actually, um, Ben Boma, and he talks about, um, the, the, the vocalist in the song talks about, uh, it's about father ocean and he talks about father ocean uh here my call um after like long story short for years i chase just the sun but now i know your darkness also holds the mm. key right mm. um mm. and i will be the first to put my hand up for you know i've I'm still a total sun worshiper <laughs> in every way touch wood. and yet it was actually um my son's 18 months old now and uh starting to realize when he started to come through that you know starting well there was just a whole bunch of patterns and programs that maybe it was just a sleep deprivation <laughs> your resilience comes down and all your shit just like, just just there's no resilience the wall of resilience is down so all your like shadows just start popping out because you're tired all the time and you're just cranky and all this man i've worked on that stuff like <laughs> what is this that's coming out But I started realising is like, whoa, spiritually, and I know you'll sort of resonate with this because I've heard even in your podcast you're describing. um, Guys, do check out EE podcast. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, Super intimate, super gorgeous. The uh, one of the conversations you were having, you were in Bali, and you got you know, barley belly. <laughs> and then you are like, yeah, but it was also a requirement for me to purge, you know, something that was going on. And it's like the dance between like, yep, it's having to me in the physical, but it also has a spiritual connotation to it. And I'm aware that, you know, it is just bugs, but it also is something that was, you know, in my field for a reason. And I feel like something similar with um with becoming a parent for me was, um, yeah, just on the 3D, it was like, you just, you have no resilience, and you're tired and all your stuff's coming through. But on a whole nother level, it was like, oh, my son's holding space for me to figure out that I don't, he doesn't want these because he's not going to do what I tell him. He's going to do what he sees me do. And he doesn't want any of this shit from me. <laughs> yeah, He's just like, dad, sort your stuff out. So there's been a real opportunity to work on my shadow. And mm. hence that song has been meaning even more and more to me recently. It's like, yeah, you know, there's a darkness in the bottom of the ocean that actually holds a key for you to come and have a look at that and go, hey, these are all the unresolved, unprocessed, unlooked at. Um, parts. And it's interesting, you mentioned the word fear quite a bit, um, because there is this fear that we have um, of our repressed self, I might even call it that. Um, And yeah, I, I can appreciate why, and if I was to be completely vulnerable, I think the fear for me personally is, even if I turn to look at it, or learn to like, even just give it a little bit of space would it consume me like would I just be consumed by my own darkness have you have you danced with that thought process and yeah obviously you've worked with it quite a bit can you unpack that a little for us
2: yeah I think it's a really natural fear and you know even the the clearing work which was my what I did for a decade and before I moved into what I would consider more magical work which is more direct but even the clearing work You know, the the way it works is by finding key triggers or events. And it might be a word, you know, it might be the word like conflict. Okay, let's clear conflict. And when you find certain ones, you're like, oh my God, I don't want to clear that. And it's like, that doesn't make sense. Because I I know from experience, whenever I clear and I then integrate the thing and I'd be able to more navigate with it. Mm. It's like, yeah, but what if there's this unconscious? Like, what if I just then become Hitler, you know? Like, what if I just (laughs) become everything... That I don't, that is is not, there's a reason that's pushed in the shadow, right? And what seems to happen consistently is almost the opposite. You know, when Mm -hmm. I, when I integrated more ruthlessness, I became more compassionate, you know, and it's a real, it's a real polarity thing of like, okay, I could cut someone's head off if I have to, which means when I deal with my employees, I'm actually very sweet and loving because there's an energy of, I have boundaries. It's not Mm -hmm. that I'm going to do whatever this thing that I had to integrate on the, you know, psycho-emotional level. It's not that I'm mm-hmm. going to play that out. And look, it's heavy to bring up, but this this is a real issue with a lot of the the full-on stuff we see in society around sexuality and trauma, that there's all kinds of really bad things playing out in the world. And mm-hmm. to my lens, a lot of that is suppressed shadow material. You know, people don't abuse their kids or whatever the the awful stuff is going on out there. People Mm -hmm. don't do that because they're integrated and they're consciously choosing it. They do it because there's wounding below the surface that is compelling their actions and driving their behavior, which, you know, this this is in no way me condoning any practice or behavior that's harmful to other people. But if we go deeper, it's almost always unconscious, unresolved stuff that drives destructive behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So the more... So the irony of like the more I've worked on these shadowy bits, the more centered I feel, the more able to hold love in the face of challenging circumstances I feel. Mm -hmm. Whereas before when I was the nice guy, it was very fragile. It was very rigidly held, you know, and there was actually Mm -hmm. someone, you know, there's some intense guy has been pushed underneath because I would never be confrontational I would never do this I would never do that and it's like yeah well you are doing those things just usually in very passive hidden
1: Mm.
2: subtle ways you know it's like what we repress will be expressed right Mm -hmm. and so my my framing is the danger is not that I go into it and then suddenly become overtaken by it the danger is I never look at it and it it continues to have a subtle but real effect on my life
3: subliminally driving parts of it's because it's
2: still there if the shadow is not gone the shadow is just not looked at you know in astrology the moon kind of represents the shadow and Mm. it's like what you're giving this example of shamanic reference to the sun so the sun is the shining self that we're aware of the moon is the self that we're less aware of and it's like Mm. it's no less powerful and in fact often because we're not aware of it you know, it's like I'm the good guy who's going to eat a perfect diet. Oh, I binge night food. Who did that? The <laughs> person who you've been pushing into the background to be the good guy. Eventually, when I'm you rest and you let your guard down, <laughs> yeah. yep. Who's opening the fridge? It's not me. Like, well, it's you know, it's him yeah. who is really me. You know, so it's almost yeah. like the more I integrate my whatever part of me is I don't give a fuck about health. I want to eat. Jo-. It's like, if I can actually bring that home and love it, then I produce a new behavior, which is an integrative relationship to food in this example. And I think it's mm-hmm. the same for sex, for money, for God, for whatever. Um, the more we make our unconscious parts conscious, the more full and empowered and loving we actually get to become.
3: How do you go about it? So you mentioned the word trigger. So generally you'll identify something that feels like, Ooh, there's something there for me because it, um, yeah, I can, I can tell just by talking to you that for me, it's, you know, I, well, I shouldn't program your answer, that's part of me for doing that, but I can feel like, you know, I can feel the trigger and it feels taboo almost. It's like, oh, and then like, you know, I I almost use taboo as like an identification for all, there's a whole body of shadow work there for me to work on, literally because it feels taboo and I might be programming your answer, but is that the first sort of place you go, oh, there's something there for me because it feels kind of like if I push on it, it's going to slip out from under my finger, like that taboo kind of feeling. Um, and then from there how do you start to work how do you do it like you know let's say you found something that feels taboo to you today how would you work with that shadow
2: great great question so it's interesting to note you know the original meaning of taboo it means power is what that word first meant in its original context isn't that interesting um so that's one really
3: interesting sorry isn't it
2: yeah (laughs) yeah like we've We've, we've drawn, I'm forgetting if it's yeah. like Samoan or Pacific, it's like I, I might get the lineage wrong, but I'm mm. confident that the definition is true. But it's basically like, isn't it interesting? That it essentially means don't go over there and deal with that stuff because it's very powerful. Mm. It's not, it didn't originally mean bad, but it became to mean that's not culturally acceptable. But so, also,
3: the other element, sorry to just butt in there, also, they you, say if, you, if you don't know who's in power in society, just Think about those people that you can't talk about, you know. And it's totally, like totally, totally you know, that level of power is yeah. all well. like yeah. what's what's yeah. driving you. You yeah. it's, you're not yeah. allowed to look at. Yeah, sorry, please continue. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. So a taboo might be so for me. There's lots of indicators that there might be a pat. Let's call it a pattern running, right? A pattern or unconscious behavior, whatever we want to call it. Um, something feeling taboo might be one of them, and that's I guess because we've gone down this dark thread that that's mm. relevant, but. Often, often for me, there can be unconsciousness. So let's say there's a goal that I have and I set it and I commit to it and I'm super juiced about it. And then two weeks later, I forget that I'm even working towards it. Like, oh, just like, hang on a minute, where's that gone? It's like, so that will be one thing. Like I'm, I'm aware there's an area of unconsciousness. Like mm. the areas where I have mastery, I don't, I don't forget that I'm focused on those areas. We move yeah. towards that thing and we just, we just do it. Mm. Areas where there's resistance, it's like, oh, I just, that project just fell away somehow. How could that have happened? You know, and it's like, well, you don't want to do the such, such, such project because you're afraid of being seen because if that happens, mm-hmm. one of the ways I like to tap in the easiest one, that's why I'll bring it up first, is journaling. And journaling with a like, I want to lift the lid on my um conditioning. So it'll be like, pick an area you're going on dates and you feel you think there's weird stuff okay let me just go through the whole thing what might i be afraid of what would i be afraid of if it worked out what would i be afraid of if it didn't work out you know or i do a lot in my containers for people starting to promote themselves more on social media there's so much stuff around but i don't want to get cancelled you know and it's like how are you going to get cancelled you haven't done anything yet like you know It's like, look at how much stuff I've put
3: out in the world and I'm still not getting to touch with Dean Thomas. Sorry.
2: So I'll get them to, you know, journal. Okay, what's the thing that happens? What's the, and we sort of work through this kind of quadrant of like, what's the bad thing that happens if you put yourself out there? Well, this could happen. They could talk about me. They could such. Okay, what's the good thing that happens? Well, I could build my business. I could reach more people. I could help more people. I could make more money. I could such, I could such. Okay, and we just we just flesh out all the sides, and eventually the structure starts to collapse because we're starting mm-hmm. to see a balance of positives, negatives, etc. That's one that's one way. In more ritualized spaces, we do it in a much more embodied way. So, I did a container at the end of last year called Obsidian. Obsidian was literally sex magic and shadow work. So that's Mm -hmm. the, even, you know, obsidian's a dark stone. So this is the Mm -hmm. more darker end of my offerings, right? A lot of them are just money trainings and things like that. Mm -hmm. In obsidian, i got everyone to tune in and find a person in the world that is powerful that they really don't like, that they have a real negative reaction to. Um, Okay, and without giving, I was like, cool. So I want you to print out a picture of this person and we'll continue this next week. So they all come back with their pictures, of people they really, you know, from Bill Gates to Hitler to people that, you know, have mm. strong projections on. That's like, great. This person is going to go on your altar for the next eight weeks. We're going to give them offerings. We're going to bless them. We're going to put fresh flowers, whatever your way of doing it. We're going to treat that person as a, a religious sort of deity, but one, you know, in tantric practice, there's the deep understanding that you're actually becoming one with the God. You're not, you're not mm. externalizing the God. You're actually realizing, ah. Oh, I have the qualities of Ganesh, or I have the qualities of Kali. Like I am that. So to put, you know, we had hilarious. We have the super anti-vax person is like, but I've got a picture of Bill Gates. I'm like, of course you do. You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> going on my also, you know, and we have this this beautiful jewish lady has a picture of hitler on her altar and she went all the way through with it and everyone's crying in the container because she's like i feel like i healed a piece of my ancestry i healed some wounding Mm -hmm. by taking some of the charge of projection off this figure again to those who are very new we're not saying that person's behavior is okay Mm. we're addressing the piece we're addressing the thoughts and emotions we have towards that figure in our own body. That's what we're really working with. Mm. And so I would have them holding their heart and looking at this person, you know, or giving thanks for what this person has taught them. And like, it, it started off as like an edgy, like, ha, ha, ha. and by the eight weeks, people were fucking so grateful because they were able to integrate a part of themselves that has been disowned to these um, powerful figures. And so that's, mm that's the more kind of advanced kooky, magical style of shadow work. Mm -hmm. But however we do it, basically what we want to do is meet with the thing and gradually open to it. So I've got practices where I used to be afraid of swimming in the ocean or whatever. And I'd go out a little bit each day and I haven't finished that one, to be honest, but I started to work with it, you know, and it was like, okay, Mm -hmm. if I can become okay with this thing that scares the fuck out of me, I change as a person, something mm. something that was deep inside me. There's like, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. And then it's like, okay, I understand. So there's almost a bit of reparenting of being a child that is kicking off, that is freaking out, mm. you know, standing there on the water going, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's like, yes, you can. We're just going to go in a little We're going up to the chest, okay? And it's like, I'm taking my kid, my inner kid. And so a lot of different paths to what I would call shadow work. But the general principle is, meeting with and bringing consciousness to whatever this thing is, that's hidden beneath the surface. And we can, you know, we can know I usually would start with journaling to find the belief. So if we're doing money work with someone, I'd start asking, tell me what you, what do you believe about rich people? And it just, you know, just write for two, two paragraphs. So we can get a bit deeper. What's, what else is there? What else is there? What did your parents say about rich people and cool and what we just keep going until we start to get some really deep, usually irrational you know it's usually not the logical like well they're okay i suppose it's like no no no. come on give me the juice it's like well Mm. actually my family got thrown out of our house on christmas when i was seven and it was so ruthless and i so i realized then that rich people are terrible people and i would never want to be like that's great there we go there we go Mm. then we can start to work with the the little nutshell of a hidden belief that is you know Has been tucked away, and it's like I don't understand why my businesses all fail. And it's like, well, remember that time when you were seven and you made that decision that you would never want to be a rich person? Do you think that's Mm. kind of woven into you back? Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. The um, you did a whole podcast episode um, on beliefs. Um, episode four or episode five um it's not really called beliefs but it was definitely talking about beliefs and one of the key things that um that popped out for me was uh just a just a simple question around is this real or is it just keeping me safe yeah. and yeah as a little nugget takeaway much i'm like i could work with that one for the rest of my life bro
1: me me, me too me too yeah
3: yeah um yeah just that as a real and i could tell just how how many times you must have just gone down pages and pages and pages worth of stuff to just go oh that's not real that's keeping me safe oh yeah that's not real that's keeping me safe um yeah can you elaborate a little bit on that one
2: yeah yeah i guess it comes down to well, this whole journey, right? What do we want to call it? A spiritual journey, an evolutionary journey. To me, it's all about building and deepening a relationship with ourselves. So we have a level of, you know, you're 19. You sort of think you know yourself, you know, and then you go and live another five, six, seven years. You're like, oh, now I really know myself. And then you live another seven or eight years. And it's like, oh, no, no, wait, now I know myself, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. 60 years old looking back, going, oh, you thought you knew yourself. I know, yeah. that, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's happening is we're accumulating experiences and hopefully, you know, we're reflecting on ourselves. We're turning things back on ourselves and looking at what did I learn and how, how am I operating and stuff. And I think this understanding of why we build certain habits, behaviors, patterns, like there can be a, I think in the early stages of the transformational work, there can be this almost, we become our own enemy of like, I need to kill this behavior. I need to fix this thing. I need to stop being like that. And it's like, well, that's you. And you put it there for a reason that has a level of intelligence behind it. Like if a little kid, let's say they feel abandoned, it could be in it, it could be, a, they could be really well loved and well looked after, but in some moments they feel abandoned or disconnected from their parents or whatever. They build a little belief that is like, when I feel this, I check out and I daydream and I, whatever, you know? fast forward 25 years, they're in a relationship and it's like, why are you not present with me or whatever? Like, you know, and it's like, Oh, I, yeah, I've noticed I had this pattern and I just sometimes check out or whatever. Oh, I need to fix it. And it's like, well, you don't really need to fix it. You need to learn to understand it or learn to meet with it. And I think the the first piece that I have like that, is it just keeping me safe question is, the little me built a lot of behaviors and beliefs and patterns based on its best level of information. You know, I'm a five-year-old, I'm dealing with the world the best I can. That's not a super high level of self-awareness. You know, there's a super high level of sensitivity. Like a child is very sensitive. They're just soaking up everything they can, but there's not a high level of perspective. Like we don't know a lot about life. We don't know a lot about a lot, but we feel a lot and we have to cope with those feelings. And often we can't. And so just having that compassion frame really has helped me a lot because it's like, okay, so I've noticed I do this habit. I've had it for years. It's not really, I'm not really feeling like it's serving me right now as a you know 44 year old man trying to achieve this and this before I just try to like railroad over it or delete it or whatever. Why, why is that there? And it's like, Oh, because I actually feel a bit unsafe in this situation. And when I feel a bit unsafe, I kind of disconnect from this part of my heart. And that's why if I'm with a lover, they feel like I'm not really there. Or that's why if I'm in a pressurized turning point in my business, I can need to go and get drunk or something. And it's like, yeah, you, I'm just inventing these patterns, you know, but you found your ways to navigate that thing. And they work. They didn't not work. They worked. That's why we kept them. So, I try to look at this whole thing, the whole thing being me, as like a living ecosystem that everything it's done, every pattern, the behavior it's learned, it's put there for a reason. And if I can meet those patterns with that level of awareness and compassion, they become a lot easier to change. But I'm not changing them through pushing, I'm changing them from like, oh, it's like a parent reparenting. You know, I see you. I've now realized that you do that thing whenever we don't feel. You know, whenever I neglect this part of you, you, you pull this little stunt, you have a little tantrum or whatever, and then we miss our food goals or we, you know, sabotage our business or we check out from our partner. Ah, oh, what do you need? I just need to be held. Okay, right. So, and then in my meditation, in my practice, my whatever, it's more about bringing all the parts home and, you know, moving through life as one cohesive being rather than a schizophrenic collection of well, my seven-year-old's doing this, but my 21-year-old version of me is doing this. And my 44-year-old's almost like a tyrant trying to get them all in order. That's, you know, we're not one person. We're a collection of stuff and memories. And so I try to move with it from that place of knowing every little bit, every little ego pattern has been designed to basically stop me from dying on some level or feeling like I'm dying. And then if even we get deeper than the psychological ones, the nervous system trauma type ones are more, even more visceral. That's more like, you know, the reptile part of me thinks if I train jujitsu too hard, I'm going to die. So it's going to freeze when I I say, "Hey, hey, buddy, we're not dying. Just shake it off, you know, like, but to recognize those have been inbuilt to the human vehicle to make it not basically die is really helpful because that's most of what we're working with, I think.
3: It was quite confronting the, um, the concept of, of our own mortality. Um, I feel like the fear around that is, is quite, a, quite a profound one. And um, having followed your journey for a bit, I know um, not so long ago, you lost a really close friend who, yeah, um, everybody has their own time. But, you know, for you, it felt mm-hmm. like you lost them before your time. And very recently, yeah. I went through something similar eight months ago where my best friend lost his, his partner. And she, and just being that intimate with my best mate, like yeah, uh, obviously it's completely rocked his world, Um, and you know, go it's you know it's had a massive, profound impact on me as well. And you know, you've you've been quite gracious in sort of being open enough to sort of share your story about how deeply that um, impacted you. And it's been quite profound as we've been talking a little bit about fears and and death and recently i was on i was featured on a podcast and you know this this lovely gentleman did some rapid fire questions at the end of his episode we had a really bubbly fun episode and he goes one of his rapid fire questions what are you most afraid of at the moment you know and i think the response was meant to be like oh i don't know you know like what my son thinks of me or what my wife you know something something meaning meaning when it was like oh that's easy death (laughs) and like the podcast just sort of paused for thirty seconds, and it was like this super lighthearted, fun episode. And then it was like, "Yeah, I'm terrified of death, bro." <laughs> and, it's, and um, and then you could see, like, it was just like registering and like landing. People was like, "Yeah, shit, you're not fucking around." <laughs> no, yeah, like, but it was honestly my truth as well. And I think also on the propensity to have a look at um you know, we, we've talked like quite a bit about taboos and I do want to talk about um, alignment to purpose um, shortly hereafter. But one of the biggest things i found is even sitting through this period of like having lost someone before their time and that sort of just what the fear around death and how much holding that in my contemplative awareness has actually given me space to sort of go, oh yeah, things really are finite. And you're only here for a limited amount of time. And there are, it's got a really interesting energy around it. You know, there are certain moments where it's like, my socks are pulled up to my groin and I'm running, you know, to get stuff done because I can, I can feel that. And there are certain points where it's just like, oh, well, the apathy is like real. Like, it's just like, this is meaningless, you know? And the the juxtaposition between the two, but also realizing that the depth of the gift that is like, oh, none of it matters and yet you're here, it completely matters, get going some, you know? And realizing that all of that is held for me at this thing, like we've been discussing at this thing that we most often refuse to look at because it's a fear. And it's one of the greatest fears I feel most of us have is this fear of death, right? Um, yeah, is your process been somewhat similar around like looking at something like that That dense?
2: Yeah, there's been big similarities, and um, I mean now, James died in the beginning of 2020. So what are we? 2020? It's it's near nearly three years. One yeah three, three years. Uh, um, it's the relationship to that thing has ripened, you know, because I can talk about it from a positive place, but it I don't yeah. I don't want to do that in a way that makes sense. like oh yeah I'm fucking so cool it's it's sweet you know it it really hurt it really wow. hurt and occasionally. Not that often, but just every now and then something will just swim up into consciousness and I'll feel like, oh, that's right, that that happened. But the gifting from it has been immense. And it feels like, you know, he gave me this deep embodied spiritual teaching in in a way. And what happened after I went through a very depressive period for a bit and particularly it happened as COVID kind of hit as well. So it's like, cool. I've just realized yeah, you,
3: had and no, like, you had no, no tools. Like you can't go
2: anywhere. So You're stuck in your home. home. Just sit with this. My, my, my two ah! good habits are, like, you know, I go to cafes and write and I go to the gym. They're my two things that like move energy, get me aligned. line. I was like, well, cafe just closed and gym just closed. And I was like, All right, and I and I eventually got organized enough to get a home gym. But it took by the time it all arrived, it was I'd gone through two or three months of very depressive, blah blah blah. Once that started to move, I think I I think it was almost like I can relate to those things you said about um, extreme drive, alternated with like, there's no point in anything, fuck everything, I don't care, and you know, they're, they're both trauma responses, you know, like the extreme drive, which I see this in some really high level entrepreneurs that I've admired and they got around I'm like, Oh, you're in a fucking, you're functioning in a fight flight. You've just channeled your fight flight into building a massive empire, which is again, not bad. I can still learn or admire some of their achievements, but it's not where I want to operate. I want to be operating from a centered, relatively easeful place. Um, and I recognize like, yeah, okay, we're going to get going. And it's like, yeah, that's an animal that's scared of dying, right? there. That's what that is. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, and then we're going to build a thing and we're going to make more sales and we're going to do this and we're going to make a count. And it's like, all right, calm down, buddy, just settle. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of like, oh, what's the point? Life, it's meaningless. And it's like, that's, uh aha, that's like, okay, we're going to go and stand in the sun for five minutes and move. Like, it's a very, you know, so I've worked, it helped me with my nervous system because it put me right into my weak spots. And then I think eventually I kind of let it into my heart. Like I let the pain actually get to my heart and be like, oh, just feel that. Like you can't, you can't fix it. Doesn't matter how smart you think you are, doesn't matter what all these, yeah, you've got great tools. You're not going to be able to fix this. This is going to Mm. fucking hurt and it might hurt for a while. Mm. And then that kind of moved through and I was like, okay, I think I'm sort of accepting it. And then it's like, you realize everyone else is going to die, right? I was like, no, don't think about <laughs> it. It's like, I was going to die. Parents are going to die. Friends are going to, and I just like, oh fuck. Like I, I mean, obviously I have known this my whole life, but to mm. to receive it really. bodied away and like feeling yeah, it. It's, yeah. <sighs> like this, this organism has just realized that everyone I know will die. And I, I have a sense I'm going to be here for a while. So I, They might die before I die, you know, some Mm. of them will for sure. So that sucks. Mm. But then there was starting to be this purification of like, well, this is when I started, it took, it was a long decision, but I started realizing, you know, the spiral Institute, this thing that i built, it's not a great match for me. And I'm not a great match for it, like where it needs to go. It needs to be taken by a different, not a, not a disruptive provocative energy. It needs to be custodian by more nurturing, caring energies, and actually, I'm trying to emerge more into my artist and my creative, mm-hmm. and that's quite problematic for people working in this healing modality. When I'm doing do a podcast and call it something like "Tantra Made Me Gay," and then I get all these complaints and from the spiral. Hey, listen, you, you really, yeah. I work with the LGBTQ spiral's really and, helping me here. <laughs> it's like it's like the spiral. You're poking is great, some wounds over like, here. <laughs> yeah. Totally, we have all these beautiful practitioners and they're like this tool is great but that guy who created it's a bit of a bit of a bit of a problematic character sometimes and Mm -hmm. so there was this this realization started to move for me after this death piece was like there's a lot of areas where I'm not being ruthlessly honest where I'm not being a hundred percent um where I'm holding back or I'm and I was like oh well what's the fucking point of that like Mm -hmm. and I think this whole You know, this whole cancel culture thing was coming in and there's just various different problems online and it's quite scary for creators and influencers whatever because it's like, fuck, can't say this, can't say that. Should I say this? Should I, go? you know, all that stuff was moving. And it wasn't an overnight thing, but probably over the course of a year, year and a half, I feel like I started to work with the energy of death a bit more in my system and start to Mm -hmm. use it as a medicine. You know, we're talking dissent. Well, there's no... What's a bigger descent than death? You know, it's the, mm. it's the granddaddy of descent work. It's like, can you meet your fucking death? Can you meet the discomfort of knowing that one day you won't exist? You know, even aging, right? I'm starting mm-hmm. to try to, I don't feel like I'm aging badly, but I'm starting to try to work with cool. How do I be a 50 year old, 60 year old, 70 year old that is somewhat in optimal health? but also shamanically is working with an acceptance of, yeah, you can be fit as fuck and you can do this and that, but eventually mm. the wheels are going to fall off and you're going to still be here. And it's like, Oh, I don't like that. So I'm trying to work with these energies now, you know, rather than be like 70 and you go, fuck I'm old. You know, it's like, no, no, mm. let's, let's work with it now. And what I think is there's a huge blessing in that energy in terms of it matures us and it makes us honest, you know, like a lot of shit, like face tattoos and whatever, which are, you know, quite kind of a statement, obviously, but something after that period helped me be like, Oh, this is so impermanent, not the tattoo, like life, you know, like, Mm. and, and what we think at high stakes, like, Oh, I wouldn't hate to like do a failed launch or go bankrupt or whatever. Or it's like, fuck that are you serious like that's nothing that's like recoverable in in six to 18 months like Mm -hmm. when someone dies that's it you know Mm -hmm. and it's like okay i have an extended benchmark of how to deal with life actually and that's that's as, as strong as it gets is losing people you love and everything else compared to that like you know i i've been open relating for six years and it it helped me in that because there's a piece of like oh you were worried of heartbreak that your partner stays over at someone else's house like that's nothing compared to opening through this person's gone from the planet and i just got it as a reference point and and i can and i know i can deal with that i don't want my friends and love ones to die but i know that if they if when they do i have it in me to move through the pain and that that makes me feel not invincible it's almost the opposite but it it makes me feel like well i can do what i'm here to do because mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing and if i can deal with that then public opinion or perceived failures or that stuff it's not it's not pleasant but it's not it's not in the same in league is world. it so yeah. yeah yeah
3: it's interesting about trauma responses as well because one of the um <laughs> One of the really yummy episodes you did um for me was on trauma responses and it was actually about business and this trauma response about Oh yeah, I'm gonna save the world. <laughs> and I've had a real hard look at myself since listening to that episode because uh my tagline even on Facebook at the moment is, you're to be the change I wish to see in the world. And, <laughs> and then I was like, oh, Well, hang on a sec, are you are you trying to save the world with the podcast? And I was like, mm, in some ways, the intention is to leave behind a better planet. And just the the brute grace, <laughs> if I can go there. It's probably a Dane Thomas <laughs> special. The brute grace with which he just called it out, which was um, yeah, bro, that's how egotistical of you to even think mm. that you could save the world, you know um the world is you know and you are and there's a beautiful dance and a harmony and a matrimony there that you know between everything that is happening and yet you know just the and you spoke to it so eloquently you definitely have a way with words as I know you know but just the the weight that that you carry and how how heavy that can be to sort of even just go oh yeah like this is going to be the panacea for everything. <laughs> and it's like,
0: <laughs> whoa, man,
3: <laughs> like yeah. imagine waking up to that every day. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. And so even, and I and I, sh- I share that vulnerably because I think even for those that are spiritually inclined coming to business, I think so many of us carry that frequency of like, wow, the world really needs mindfulness, or wow, the world really needs Reiki, or wow, the world really needs to wake up to yoga, or wow, the world really needs to wake up to Tantra. And it will change the world. And in some ways, it's huge because it gives you so much energy to get started, but the momentum sort of shoots itself in the foot once you start trying to build from that place. And you mentioned how you remember carrying that, and then also the trauma response and how letting that go has then opened you up to free so much more resources within your system. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So firstly, I want to say, because I, because I never want to discourage anyone from getting started. Like I, and so it's like the world does need all those things. It really does, you know, like a hundred percent stand for that, you know? So like this, this, this podcast, people taking Reiki or breath work or whatever, fucking I am here for that. That's literally what I'm here for. Right. Mm. So let's just put that there first. Mm. As we engage on the journey of that, I think you know, in this spirit of using the journey, you know it's like I thought the journey was to save the world, but actually the journey was to to grow me up, to to experience mm. myself, to have my own maturation process, really. But mm. for me, you know, the spiral, the first couple of years was peak Messiah complex. you know I was like, look, you know, my early marketing was like. I don't care what else you might have done 20 years of Buddhist practice, you might be a psychedelic shaman, you might do this, you might be a psychologist. That ain't shit. Unless you've done spiral, you've done this, is you've done nothing. You know, this Mm -hmm. is the real thing. And it was like so over the top. Mm -hmm. And you know, looking back on it from even like 2016, I was like, oh guy, that's so egotistical, it's so annoying, it's so Mm -hmm. simplistic but that got us going, you know, that mm. attitude pissed off a lot of people, but it also, this guy's got something. Let's go check it out. You know, mm. hundreds of, hundreds of people did that work. So there is a, there is a, a value in that stage, but I think mm. what I, what I'm talking to really is the recognition of like, why am I doing what I'm, why am I really doing what I'm doing? Mm. Like, I'm going to tell myself it's because I'm such a great guy and I'm here to fix all this. I mean, Look at the whole world, the whole vast, massive world, and go. I can fix this. It's Like are you, fucking meds. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> <laughs> really? You're gonna, you're gonna sort it out. You're the guy. You we've had this many humans before, but now that you're here, you're gonna sort it all out. Hey, have a, be my guest. You know, have a
1: try. Yeah.
2: Adorable. Yeah. Um, which doesn't mean you can't. Like, I think I impact more lives more deeply since I got out of that paradigm. You know, it's so, there's a, there's a nuanced piece here, but I'm not trying to fix it, you know, like, the, and and I think that's the piece I see in, I have a few people in my world who are, who are ex-activists become more entrepreneurial and it's a very tricky transition because it's a value shift that happens for them. Um, and you know, there are many activists doing amazing and important things, but there's also a lot of people stuck in activist movements <laughs> playing out their childhood trauma. Mm. And, you know, the government is daddy or whatever. And like, fuck you daddy. I mean, government, you know, and it's like, mm. okay. I think what you're standing for is a good thing, but I think that the, the reason you're doing it is unexamined and you don't realize that you're actually playing out a wound here. And that's what I'm talking to.
3: And even in that, you describe the um the, the the drama triangle, right. And in there there's the you you know, as the activist, you oftentimes are a flicking between the victim and the uh, the savior, the victim, the savior, that you know there's yeah. that oscillation. and you know and again, and the
2: bully when you get your shot, you know, like, mm. and when you get your chance that we gotta cancel such and such. It's like, do you though? Like we're gonna yeah. finish. we're gonna make sure he. Knows. it's like, oh, you you as the rescuer helping the victims starting to look very aggressive, you know? And it's like, Mm. because that triangle feeds itself. And yeah, I think to just try to get to the nutshell of what what that question, really it's about self-knowledge and it's about operating from, I'm not saying you have to be perfect before you take action. It's anything but that, right? But just, I want to be honest with myself of what my motivation is for anything when I go into Mm. it. And maybe deeper layers will reveal, but you know, I coach a lot of people in early stages of business and they're at a certain level. And it's like, cool, how much of what you're doing is is to get your creative outlet or to get your therapy or get your whatever. Because the more of that that's in there, the less clean this business can be. And it's, you know, it's real objective should be to serve the world and to make money. That's what a business should do. But mm-hmm. if you're tinkering around to get your creative needs, oh, I'm just going to change it, which is most entrepreneurs. I'm just going to change some stuff around. Why? Because I'm kind of bored in my life. So I need to, like that was working perfectly it would have continued to go to another level of revenue and another level of helping people but I needed to tinker with it because that's what I do Mm. and it's like once we start to recognize that okay you're using this as a place to flex your creativity or sometimes as your therapy and it's like don't, (laughs) don't do that go and fucking paint paintings and let your business grow. Do it's, its thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's there, you don't need to reinvent it again. It's like, well, I'm doing eight more launches of different things. And I'm like, cool. How about we pick one thing? We're on that for a year. Like for some people it's like, yep. If other people you can see the response of like, don't make me do that. I'll <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, you're gonna confront what, you know, your childhood patterns that are creating this behavior that, yeah you want to frame as it's just that I'm so creative and I need to, and it's like, actually it's great for us to get in touch with our root drivers as we, Mm. as we go along, not, not in, not before we do anything like get out there and do your thing is my hundred percent advocate that, but on the journey, pay attention to why, because it's important.
3: Yeah. This you mentioned, and you know, we, we started off this podcast discussing, um, sort of the dark wizard energy and going deeper into the dark and I think I took the the liberty of doing that and not sort of starting with you know you mentioned step one you know work with your light step two work with your shadows and your darkness and step three living in alignment with your purpose you know Um, and so I took the liberty to start at two knowing that you know we've been doing this podcast for about six odd years and very rarely do we get someone such as yourself willing to sort of you know like we've said you know sort of where all all the aspects and the projections that everybody else is willing to project on them and just go you know what i'm just charging through man like it's all g there's plenty of life to go around um so in that space from now like you mentioned living in purpose and you've got um having tuned into your work even you know oftentimes people me having been like doing the work of purpose coaching as well people like come to me often they go what's my one purpose you know and I love the I love the dialogue and the delivery between oh yeah you know like my ego has a purpose my soul has a purpose my spirit has a purpose and tuning into the way that you've dialogued that and yeah there's almost like a an inner purpose and an outer purpose in some ways I'm pre-programming your answer which again you know having been you know <laughs> enamored by your work I guess I run the risk of doing that again and again but um, living in purpose living in alignment um, having you know done your work with the light done your work with the shadow bringing those two home to step three to really living um the life that you're here to live can you tell us a little bit about the importance of that the why behind that and then eventually i'll ask Mm. you about how we actually go about doing that yeah
2: yeah the big question eh? hey for me i think there's a there's been a mixture of a conscious and unconscious pulled in a certain direction because there's a lot of habits that I have and things that I do to help me kind of orient almost like finding my little compass of where am I going you know I've been doing that stuff for years and we can talk about that mm-hmm. but I also sense you know I really sense that a lot of where I am and whatever you know whatever I've ended up being focused on and where I'm what I'm standing for not that it's an accident but there's there's a deep there's a sense of like, ah, oh, you were always going to be this person. So on the yeah. one hand, you know, my ego's like, I did such good work. I did all the right things to get me right here. And mm-hmm. this deeper part of me is like, dude, you were coming here regardless. Like I, <laughs> I brought you here, you know, it's like, didn't I do great? And it's like, you know, if you want to use the word spirit, I use a lot of different language, but I think mm-hmm. of like the, the current of life itself, you know, like the living intelligence of life itself is moving us all around all mm-hmm. the time. I deeply perceive and and feel that right and so i think half of it is surrendering to that and i don't mean in in a totally passive way of surrendering because often Mm. it does take work but it's more like the commitment to listening to uh well i was in such and such an industry for a while and i i didn't like i example i worked in telemarketing right for five years and Mm. i In a weird way, fucking loved it. I didn't love everything about it. I didn't love peddling insurance to old ladies. I didn't love nine to five. I didn't love being on the phone with a computer tracking my everything. You know how many calls you did and how many, how long your toilet break was, and being a highly managed unit. I didn't enjoy. But the vehicle of using psychology and emotion and persuasion and and my own, you know, going home. I'd vision my sales targets and come to work the next day and hit them. I'm like, this is fucking, this is like, I'm doing magic. Like I'm mm. using my will and my intention to create a result from seemingly nowhere. The person next to me is on zero sales. I'm on 10. What am I doing? Something, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I didn't love everything about that job, but I knew that it had put me in touch with a certain thing. And it's like, that, that, that thing is a clue. And before that I'd been an artist and a musician and I'd rapped and I'd done competitions and done, creative stuff and toured and had adventures doing that and I knew the elements of that weren't the right life but something in it the creative flow magic with words whatever that's a part of who I really am you know mm. and it's almost like I almost feel like life put me in different like apprenticeships you know in the same way that rich people put their kids in all the different departments of the business so they can learn mm. the business I feel yeah. like life did that to me. Like, okay, I grew up in this neighborhood and there's lots of fights and bullying. Well, you need to see that you need to experience. You need to survive that. I need you mm-hmm. to be there. And it's almost just put me through these different, okay, now yoga and meditation. And it's like where I am now borrows off all of those things. And mm-hmm. many times I didn't really understand. Like, why am I here? I don't think I fit here. This is an uncomfortable experience. I where am I heading? There was a lot of, a lot of that in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think, there was just a listening for like, well, if I can find something more attuned, I'll do that. But I'm, you know, I'm 24 years old. I have no fucking idea where I'm going. Like I, mm-hmm. I really experienced that for a long time. That's the passive side, you know? And I think that I only realized now, while well, I've been listening, I've often been lost, particularly in my younger years, you know, I'm like I have no clue what I'm supposed to do with my life. This is just, is this it like, what's, what's the point of this, you know? Mm. I don't fit. I'm not happy. I'm very, but I was, but I, what I was, I only see is I was curious. Mm. I was like, okay, I don't like this job here. And these friends are okay. But where, what, what are you almost, almost unconsciously? What do you want from me? Like, where are you sending me? And mm. Gradually that unconscious question has become a conscious question. So I now mm-hmm. ask that question with absolute intentionality of like, cool, I feel like I'm on track hey, universe, show me the next bit. I want to see where you want me. And I'm more and more, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for money. I'm doing this for satisfaction. I'm doing this for all these human reasons, but I'm also in service to something bigger. And I know that, and I do my best to offer myself to that and be like, hey, this is, hey, universe, this is my best interpreter, you know, the esoteric entrepreneur the next three years of this thing this is my best interpretation of what I feel like I'm offering and conserve the world. And I feel good about, mm. and can you show me, can you guide me to do it? Not better, but you know, more, even more in alignment with who I am. And even, mm-hmm. and I know that in 10 years I won't be doing that. I'll be doing the next version of where I feel guided. So that I, I more interpret purpose, you know, it's like, yes, my purpose is to, you know, create 10,000 fitness influences. It's like, yeah, yeah. That's your mental interpretation of something that messages, is to do yeah. with your purpose. But the purpose is much more, to me, a living energetic current. It's, a, it's more a felt thing that is carrying you along that might only make sense from your deathbed. When you look back and go, of course, mm. I was drawn to this and then I was an architect and then I traveled yeah. to Asia. And then, I, of course, that all makes sense. But at the time, it's like, I don't know, I feel like I need to close this business and try something new. Trust it, do that, you know? That's yeah. that's kind of how I work.
3: Yeah, I love that. One of my favourite quotes is one of the Steve Jobs quotes where he was actually close to his deathbed at the time and he looked back and he said, when you're walking through life, it feels like a like a fucking constellation, <laughs> like stars mm. everywhere. But then when you look back, it was just like deadpan, like, woof, like one straight yeah. line, like everything was just exactly where you're meant to be. And I remember even on my own journey, having that existential sort of crisis going, oh, I'm a purpose coach. Oh, no one's actually ever off purpose. Like even when they feel like they're off purpose and they're having that existential crisis, that's actually one of the most gorgeous nexuses at which they're recalibrating to their purpose and they're yeah. coming to you. Like, what are you even doing, Amrit? Like, <laughs> What is the point of you? <laughs> so for my purpose is to help people recalibrate to their purpose that they're always on purpose <laughs> i'm meaningless in this whole thing <laughs> and then coming home to hey it's just part of the role that i'm here to play you know and just being okay with it and accepting that and uh, yeah the the sort of um, cosmic joke of it all <laughs> which is present for yeah. us but i think yeah. even um one of the big things also um which i think for you it's very easy to mention that you know like 10 years from now you'll be doing something different and you're completely comfortable with that i think it also speaks volumes to those that are tuning in like you know when we usually start to it's hard enough to get one thing off the ground you know because of the you know the collective programming that we started talking about before you know and i deeply identified with it. you know the white picket fence you know get good grades at school a good job find a nice marriage have good kids find a nice car have a nice home then start living life when you retire <laughs> you know it's like yeah. when your bones are too achy to be able to skydive yeah. or do any of that sort of cool shit. it's yeah. just like now you can live your life and it's like wait how much life is left in me to live <laughs> you know um but yeah just the grace with which you know you've been able to start things and then humbly let go of things as well you know which by all intents and purposes for most people would be you know that's them for life um and yeah your response articulating that yeah that's my that was my purpose for then and now it'll be something different and then you know 10 years from now i'm sure that will have evolved into the next thing uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of um yeah reconciled energy in that and you know really you can yeah. you, know, you really um willing to let go of who you were for who you'll become which i think is it's hard enough to become something in the first place so just yeah honoring and acknowledging that part of you brother yeah thank you for that on that man i i feel like (laughs) some part of me feels like we've just scratched the surface and we've covered some really deep topics i feel like i could talk to you forever but um i do have to honor the time that we've had with you today so yeah man i i um just want to thank you so much for For you doing you and uh yeah the esoteric uh the um esoteric entrepreneur podcast i'll put a link to it in the show notes below for everybody to go check out and a link to Dane thomas's website um but even just following you on facebook and instagram gives a lot of instagram's a good portal yeah 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 it gives it gives a lot of um yeah you know there's a lot of mindless scrolling that happens but there's a lot of like pausing and reflecting in your posts um yeah so thank you so much for, for you just sharing yourself so abundantly today here in this episode but also online the way that you do and also it's a lifetime's of work that informs this conversation so thank you so much for showing up in all those ways man
2: mm. appreciate it thank you so much great great podcast loved it yeah.
3: <laughs> thanks brother man inspired evolution tribe audience thank you so much for listening in <coughs> an absolute pleasure as always to be a brother by your side walking this journey walking each other home if you're loving these episodes, please do us a favor, hit subscribe on YouTube, give this episode a thumbs up, leave us a comment on what most inspired you, triggered something in your mind process, being heart in this episode with Dane. And as always, stay inspired. Keep <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to The Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of The Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights, all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, try remember to stay inspired and keep evolving.